good morning. Welcome to the Old School podcast about, among other things, the American education system, its quirks, traits, qualities, but also anything else that we fancy. Uh, we've been known to dabble in such topics as music, philosophy, history, and we'll even throw a sport episode at you. Good morning, Herr Dr. Bourgeois. Hey Miller, it's uh, it's it's good to hear you today. It's been it's been a, a few days, and here we are. And I'm back on the microphone, not the uh, kind of nasally voice you're used to hearing over the phone in Italy or Germany, oh, but uh, much yeah, more dusky deltones, perhaps. It's it's better because people more than one pe- person said that you sounded drunk in that last uh, podcast. What? Yeah, they thought you were partaking in, in German beer or wine while you were you know, talking. Well, I certainly and, partook. I mean, I don't think I was partaking at that moment, but I, I definitely, I'm not going to say I imbibed, but I certainly enjoyed a glass here or there or a bottle here and there. So Okay. Well, I, I like to think that you're I'm not degenerate. You know? I think you're drinking during the podcast. That's uh, <laughs> I've never done it. Um, well. We've both done it. The last time you and I were at the podcast at your at your house, I think we were drinking scotch. It was like eleven thirty in the morning. Well, I I, I resemble that remark. <laughs> so anyway, now I have a question for you. Okay, do you think pain is necessary <laughs> for for the lack of pain? <laughs> what does that mean? Pain, pain is necessary for the lack of pain. In order to experience no pain, you must first experience pain. Do you believe in that statement? Um, no, I, 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 mean, I can give a pithy answer, but I think that being alive is pain. You know, we all experience <laughs> it. As soon as you have no pain, you're either unconscious or, or dead. dead. <laughs> so, but I, but I see what you mean as far as the, the contrasts. Um, you need the suffering to appreciate the moments of respite. Um, but, What's uh, strange is that among my other activities while in Europe, I managed to contract a pinched nerve. <laughs> you you contracted a, a pinch. I don't know if I contracted it. It, it just like a, happened. They just uh, someone else had one, and then they're spreading like wildfire over there. Uh, <laughs> no more COVID. It's all pinched nerves now. So. <laughs> so I get a pinched nerve when I'm in in uh, when I'm in Europe, and it affects my leg. And so I go to the doctor. You went to and a you know my doctor. doctor. You know my doctor. My doctor is oh, a very oh, nice here. lady. Okay. Yes. And so um, I asked her. I said, "What can I do?" And she said, "Well, there's really not much you can do. Just take some ibuprofen to deal with the pain, and it'll go away in about a month and a half or two months." Oh. And she said, "I could get you a nerve blocker." And I said, well, that sounds good. I like, you know, it's just, I'm just thinking about the notion of not feeling the pain associated yeah. with the pinched nerve. And she goes, oh, yeah. So she goes, it'll block the nerve and it'll block the pain and you'll feel great. And, you know, it won't fix anything, but you just won't feel the pain. And I said, well, well, all right. I kind of like that. You know, she had first said the, uh, the drugs. So I said, well, let's try the drugs first. And if that doesn't work, we'll try the, we'll try this uh, nerve blocker. 
What is it? And, well, is it I asked her that. I asked yeah. her that. I said, so what, so what is it? She goes, oh, we'll teach you how to do it. I said, how to do what? She goes, well, it's a shot that you, that you inject yourself with. And I said, well, I think you buried the lead. I, I think you should have started with, by the way, there's this other option that includes giving yourself a shot. Yeah. And she go, and I asked her, I said, is it painful? She goes, oh, yeah, it's painful. And what I found remarkable is that usually doctors try to downplay how much p- things hurt. And she was like, no, no, this hurts. This hurts a lot, you know. And I, and I thought, I said, well, I, I said, that doesn't sound good at all. And she said, well, to get to a point of health, you must first go through pain. And I told her, I said, well, that sounds like a philosophical statement. It doesn't really <laughs> sound like a, a medical one. A little and bit sadistic so, there. <laughs> See, my doctor's like the Marquis de Sade or something. And <laughs> so I don't know. It is getting better, you know, as they said it would. Uh, but, you know, I just found it comical and some and slightly disturbing that she started out with the notion that, you know, uh, good health must first be preceded by pain. So. Well, is she talking about actually curing it or curing the symptoms? Curing the symptoms. Well, so why not give you um, a pill? Apparently that doesn't work. I mean, if it doesn't work, you know, so the pill, that's what we started with. The pill was like the ibuprofen, like the, well, they have better stuff than that. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's the best that I can still function on. You know, why, why I don't do want to be a part of the opioid epidemic that we have in oh, this country. Well, you don't need to function anymore. <laughs> I'm retired. <laughs> <laughs> then I wouldn't be able to provide such witty comments and insight on this podcast. I think you're pretty pretty entertaining when you're under. <laughs> Uh, the influence of certain medications. I recall oh, that. You certainly have done your best to make that happen on various occasions. So <laughs> I don't know if we ever told that story on this uh, podcast, but uh, no, we? Uh, yeah, we 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 have. We must have. Uh, we've we've run out of stories that are the rest of these are fabrications. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a thought as far as a potential topic, and it came from a friend of mine who jumped uh, to another school and in doing so jumped to a different schedule. So one of the things that school districts seem to wring their hands about and will at times often change is the actual schedule of how classes are done. Now, the last school that I was in, they had what was called a, um, a modified block schedule. So like first and eighth period were held every day for like 45 minutes. And then two, three, four, five, six, seven alternated one day after the other. And they, these periods were an hour and a half. And it got me to thinking how many different schedules are there? And is there any one of them that has more merit than the other? What has been your experience with schedules? It's one of those things where they, they come around again and again and about three times in somebody's career because you've, the most obvious schedule I think that we've all taught was when we just have equal 45-minute, something like that, right? courses, and, and they meet every day. 
and there, there's a lot of merit to that because you meet every day and you don't lose you know track of what's going on keep the momentum going right and that kind of schedule benefits uh the skill and knowledge-based courses like math foreign language the, those teachers tend to like that um, um other courses lend themselves more to what you're talking about the modified i think is you know it gives the most flexibility because you have some longer courses maybe 90 minutes every other day and then fill in with but it's really difficult for the person scheduling i mean you need a computer program and you know, all kinds of things for everything to fit um but that you know i think that the most outrageous schedule i was on and you've probably done this too in fact we were in fort worth at the same time do you recall the accelerated block uh enlighten me I think, i'm not sure i remember well instead of making them year-long classes you would oh you, yes you, yeah you would remember you, you finished your history you know sophomore history in uh, one semester right and I, I think that's when we had the this four by four requirement of everybody had to have four years of social studies math language arts and uh science and so they so you were able to accelerate but they were you know 90 minute or two hour classes whatever um but you you work quickly through that and you know as a language teacher that was terrible because imagine preparing kids for an ap german test and they've finished their course by december and then they may not take another german class for six or seven months yeah. um so there were some you know i i think that there had to have been benefits to it, but I didn't see any, you know, in that to be, because you lose a lot of time and, and talk about retention of materials. Um, I'm sure it was research-based, but maybe more to sell money, to save money yeah, than to, you know, get students to remember what, what you're teaching them. So that, that was a bit of a shock. And I think that lasted two years, maybe definitely a year, but I think two. I think the thing about the accelerator, it should be differentiated between the semester-long classes because the semester-long classes are designed for a semester only. Yeah. So therefore, right. the information therein, uh, the concepts and what have you is tailed to that time period. But here, you're trying to jam in what ordinarily and perhaps ideally would be a year-long course into a matter of a few months. And you have to go so fast and you have to go so quickly in order to be able to cover the things that you have to cover. Especially, you know, God forbid yours is a tech class that has to answer to a test at the end, you know, such as you said, you know, and that's the, that's the problem with classes like AP economics and AP government is that ultimately the kids who take those classes in the fall, they got to sit on that information if they can, for several months before they can actually take the AP exam. And so it creates a rather harried kind of pale mail at times approach to the class. And let me tell you something, of all the times I've been in a block schedule class, I don't know too many teachers that could <laughs> go from bell to bell. Oh no. Keep everyone's attention and be productive and what have you. It just doesn't happen. Uh, well, you've seen the research on student engagement. I mean, you have a bit of a 
high point after you know for, for about the first 10 minutes and then it drops another blip maybe and then it drops but certainly 90 minutes is is too long so yeah there's a lot of individual work and group work and quotation marks and projects and quotation marks um so i you know i prefer the traditional everybody meets but but imagine you know what the school districts would do with that four by four they realize that state testing would put most of its eggs in math and english or language arts right and so the natural step which is what they did was make math a you know one of those courses but it was a two semester course so technically you're having two hours of math in the fall and two hours in the spring so doubling down on those two tested courses right um and and it wreaks havoc with elective programs and and everything else so i i think a lot of there was a lot of uh complaining and and the group you know the hybrid the thing that you mentioned at the top seemed to you know meet the needs of the these one-off semester courses courses that need to meet every day right and give you a lot of contact time with those tested subjects well given that you and i i think i can say that you and i both prefer the traditional schedule kind of like eight classes seven eight classes a day um what is the downside to that kind of schedule um Sometimes you just don't want to see the same kids every day. I guess. <laughs> um, and they don't want to see you. Okay. Well, yeah, that's true. I'm for, I can imagine that, but okay. So eight period day, we've, we've had that. It's, yeah. I mean, sometimes they do six, sometimes seven. I do recall eight periods. I mean, these are like 40 minutes, 42 minutes, 38 minutes. So there's a lot of transitions and particular, well, middle school and high school, um, you're, you're taking a, a group of, of kids at that age and they're, it takes a little time at the beginning of class to get them locked in. Right. Then you have this, this content and then you run out of time and you have to close it out and you scream about the homework as they're running out the door, the <laughs> bit, you know, the bell rings and, and they're shuffled around with, with other kids and they lose complete uh, concentration and, and suddenly they're they're in front of another teacher you know they went from here dr bourgeois to mr miller um and, the, and then it's a new reality different kids and that so there's so many transitions that you lose a lot of um instructional time so i think you're losing time either way but i think that would be the the downside it's just so many transitions and just this shock of being surrounded with different different students and you have all these different cultural uh, social dramas happening uh, and then in in a sense the the teaching becomes kind of this middle part of that experience so you have that style you have the kind of the block schedule which we talked about the accelerated block then you have the modified block we talked about um there are some school districts in this country that do four days a week. And just on the surface, it's, it would sound like, hell yeah, yeah, I'd do four days a week. And, yeah. you know, maybe someone has the idea that if you only have to go to work or go to school for four days, then you're more productive those four days. You're, you know, you, you 
I don't know. I mean, beyond the kind of the, the surface kind of appeal to only having to go to school or to go to work four days a week, uh, it's a longer day. Um, I'm wondering what the benefit is besides, like I said, having a three-day weekend every weekend. Yeah, the um, you know, I, I think that from a teaching standpoint, those are really long days, but most teachers would take you up on that. Yeah, um, for that extra day, you know. But but you may the teachers may end up losing because they could you know require four days of teaching than a, a day of meetings, you know, and professional learning communities and professional development, and the the teachers would say. Hey, bring on the students. This this is really not any more fun, right? I, I don't. I can't imagine they would just turn the teachers loose. They would have to um, pay them less, and there'd be, be problems. Um, but uh, I I don't know. If, I think if I were offered that, I would love it as a teacher, and about every student you ask would love it too. Hmm. The question is, would it be that much more productive? No, uh, I think that you know this is a, a truism that whatever way you shuffle kids around, whatever schedule calendar schedule you know, configuration, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I think it's a <laughs> flat line. I mean, we've, you know, we, we've, and, and student achievement is, has been a flat line. If you look at the NAEP assessment right. over the years and we've tried all kinds of things, <laughs> you know, so, so these are small factors to make a difference, at least in, test scores, it might help students well-being um, if, if, if they get a, a, a day off or mm. um, but but maybe they don't all have to have the same day off, you know, so it could be using the school building and the, the faculty all the time, but have this rotating day off for kids. I don't know. Right. What do I know? But I don't I really don't think it'll make much of a difference. So a couple other ones that are used. Uh, one is called like a multiple flex block schedule where it has the block schedule is kind of like the basis, but then they have like a, like a 50 minute period or two 25 minute periods, or maybe 40 minutes and two 20 minute periods where it can either be lunch or it can be, it could be a teacher conference. It could be uh, just hanging out, not doing anything. There's like a lot of, a lot of things that could be used um, and one of the things that, because the school I, I ended my career at was toying with this idea because because a nearby school district does it. And one of the things they talked about was the idea that teachers would not have to stay after school or come in early before school that often if there was a time built in within the day to have potentially tutorials. Okay, so it's plan, plan tutorials. Um it doesn't have to be tutorials. It could be, you know, it could be a teacher parent conference. It could be meeting with counselors. It could be a study hall. It could be all sorts of things. And part of it's going to be a lunch um, because the lunch period is kind of factored in there somewhere. Uh, but the question is, is that, you know, one of the things about the box schedule always drove me crazy is that I'd heard people say, well, this is what they're going to get in college. I said, well, they're not in college yet, first of all. Second of all, just because they get it in college doesn't make it a good thing, you know. So this is designed to kind of give the kids some time during the school day to be able to work on stuff. Now, that 
that creates the obvious question. What percentage of kids do you think will use that flex time in a productive sort of way? Um, I don't know. I, I, I think some, some will because they're, they don't want to have homework. So they would, they would use that to get their homework done. Um, looking at a, a college schedule, I think if you really wanted to replicate that, um, you would have to have a lot of online courses mm-hmm. because that's becoming more and more uh, a thing. Um, and also courses taught by teaching assistants, you know, adjunct professors. And so you have a main professor who is kind of in charge of the course, but then they, they have labor in the form of adjuncts who, right. who do the, the courses. And, and then realistically, students have long periods of time off and maybe they don't have anything on Tuesday and Thursday. And they have courses where they can decide whether they're coming to, to class or not and have an open campus and all, all these things. And the, the trick is for the, the students to be able to manage their time and, and not take advantage of the freedom. And uh, the, I guess the, the question would be, can high school students, the ones that you've encountered, um, handle that amount of freedom of, of choice? My experience is, and this is the problem with, you know, with um, project-based learning. This is my issue with uh, independent study at the high school level. This is my issue with online classes is that that type of learning, if you want to call it learning, but that type of learning requires a very special student and a student that is not the same as all the other students. Um, It requires self-discipline. It requires self-motivation. It requires intrinsically motivated kiddos. And a lot of our kids are not. Now, you could say, if well, if that's the better way, shouldn't we be trying to get our kids to that point? But you know what that's like? You know, right now, I am raising by all accounts, a very messy child. And she sees no value in cleaning up stuff. What? I what, thought what, this was a boy thing. Why are you bringing this up? Why, seems, I'm making what, a point what, here. Making okay. a point. It seems like you're, you're ragging on your daughter for not cleaning her room publicly in front of hundreds of people. Well, that works too. But my point is, <laughs> is that me trying to make her into something that I would prefer doesn't make any more sense than sitting there and trying to make a kid who is not, I mean, there are certain kids that are that way. They're self-motivated they're self-reliant. They're self, they're independent. And there's, there's kids that are not that way. And so trying to cram everybody into the single mold is problematic. That's my point. Ah, so, so and the fact that my daughter's a messy child and I can't do anything with her. I've washed my hands of the whole thing. So you wash your hands and what kind of a child were you Ross? Did you clean your room? I was an orderly child. I wasn't necessarily a clean child, but everything was where it was supposed to be. You know, (laughs) (laughs) everything in its place, everything in its place. Exactly. So, 
but I wasn't necessarily, I wasn't like a neat freak. I wasn't like Felix Unger, you know, sitting there, you know, <laughs> waxing the furniture or anything <laughs> for all the over 50 crowd in the audience. Yeah, today. I love hearing the name Felix Unger. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if everyone else is Googling, who the hell is Felix Unger? Well, I think you're more like Oscar Madison between the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> of the two of us, perhaps. But what I'm saying is, is that, you know, I can't expect her to be like me. And we can't really expect her to be anything other than what she is. Now, there are certain things, yes, you could train a kid to do. And from a, from a teacher-student perspective, there are things you can do to train a, a student, but their natural being, you know, that's not one of them. If a kid is not inclined to be that independent or self-reliant or self-motivated, that's not taught in school. That's taught through experience. And so, and so that's, you know, that's one of the issues with those, these other kind of newfangled ideas about, you know, online classes and, and independent study and things of that nature. Well, the, the online courses um, you know, have grown up, I think, since we, even since um, the COVID time. And, and do you know what the generation is called? Um, the latest ones, are, I guess, the current high school students. Now, what are they called? Um, they're not called Gen Z or whatever. They're called Zoomers. Uh, uh, you, uh, I get it. You get it, but that's that's the truth. It's not a joke. Yeah, it's not a joke. <laughs> it isn't. No, it's, it's a thing. That's what they're called. Um, <laughs> and so they're they're. <laughs> I feel like we're watching a video. We text. <laughs> um, but the online content is, you know, becoming more and more of a thing. And the, um, so the 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 idea of a traditional schedule with with students sitting in a room you know, the teacher in front of them um, will become as challenging as showing kids a video. Right. I mean, you know what that would be like now. And yeah. so so there needs to be some adaptation. Uh, it's maybe good that some of us got out while we, while we did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think part of me, I f- you know, you can't help but, you know, in some ways say to yourself, I'm doing somebody a disservice by leaving, but that, that, that's an awfully cocky thing to say out loud, you know, cause it suggests that you are indispensable, that only you can make changes. But the problem is not everyone sees the problem the same way I do. And not everyone has the same approach to things as I do. So maybe I offer something unique to the table, but maybe this could be a platform where we get this out there. But I mean, I think, you know, there has to be more questions asked about things that seem on the surface, perhaps simple and self-evident, such as, you know, how do you do a schedule for a high school? Um, I've seen that um, classical schools, um, a lot of uh, private schools have really traditional schedules. Okay. Um, it, less of the long block periods. Uh, it tends to be more more straightforward where you meet every day. Mm. And so you may have some kindred spirits out there. And what we're talking about is a, an ISD, a traditional public school problem with big, you know, 4,000 student campuses. Um, they, they try these, 
these types of configurations, probably more than the the smaller schools, um, just from a staffing standpoint, but also philosophically. Well, just as a contrast, I have been there so many times, and I'm not sure I could adequately explain how to how the like for example the school that we that we visited so often in Germany how is their schedule done because it seems on the surface a rather hodgepodge pale mail kind of schedule but it's also incredibly independent it's cr- incredibly uh, flexible in a sense that some days you're out of there by 12 depending on how old you are. Some days you're out of there by three or whatever the case may be. Can you explain that schedule? I would really have have trouble. I could definitely embarrass myself if I tried, but I know from a teacher standpoint, you know, it's all over the place. You know, they, they certainly have their, but, but there, there's this complex because if they need to cover for a teacher, it's really complicated. And, and I know if I'm trying, because we tried to observe teachers in, in our class of students, it was, you had to go through this maze of, a, of something to figure out where they were in what room, because the rooms technically belong to the students, and the, the teachers for quite, quite often would, would move around. Right. Um, but the end of the day is where I got confused, you know, because of the, the departure times, but but I don't recall this, you know, what, what you see in a traditional high school where final bell rings and everybody goes out to the parking lot and drives their cars home right. and they get picked up with a car line. Right. It, it seems to be more free flowing in that afternoon and lot, lots of different um, options and kids get on the public transportation. It's, um, but the short answer is I, I really don't know uh, what they're, uh, you know, my, my guess is, is that it's a more traditional schedule than, than trying to do these long. I don't remember sitting in 90 minute or two hour classes. No. It seemed to be short, actually. Sh- in fact, yeah, I know this. There's shorter courses, you know, you know, maybe 35 minutes even, right. much shorter than, than we have. And they, they get to it. They don't waste a lot of time. I'll give them that. Well, that then goes towards something else. So we are in the midst of a transition here at the old school, both with regards to content, although it will still deal with a lot of education issues, as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, it's also going to deal with a lot of other topics. But one of the things that that's going to be different is the more concerted effort to have guests on. And so, you know, immediately when, I think about us trying to struggle to explain the German school schedule. I thought about Mike or Lutz, uh, Mike Lutz, if you're listening, uh, having them on to kind of talk about things. These are two of our our former colleagues uh, on the German side of the program that we officiated. Uh, But also just the idea of having people from all sorts of disciplines to be able to talk about the things that they do and, and what have you. So, um, that's going to be one aspect of it. Uh, another aspect of the changes that are happening is a, a you know, we're, not, we're going to kind of shield for our book here a little bit. There's a couple of things that we have discussed. I, mean, uh, I don't know how deeply we want to get into this, but the idea of, you know, some kind of professional development, some type of, uh, 
of a kind of guided book study on uh, the very fine book that we wrote a couple of uh, a couple of years ago. What do you think of that? That I can't remember what was the title of that book. Anyway, the title of the book was "The Center Cannot Hold a Critical Look at Contemporary Education." So what you're getting at is there could be um, maybe a book study, for example, for with, example. A, with a Q&A with the authors. And it's so maybe uh, one school of, of faculty could, could read a chapter such as teaching and entertainment, an examination of effects. And they could read that chapter and then get on a Zoom or in person, but probably virtual, and, and talk to us. And we would moderate a conversation along with the other six chapters. Yeah. Or, I mean, if you got a particularly fired up staff, they could read the whole book and we could really? we could have multiple uh, conversations with your staff about the, the different components of it. Also, the idea of professional development. This is one of the things that, you know, we also have an interest in doing as far as talking to teachers, talking to staffs. And so the idea of what that might look like, that's something you're going to start to hear more about and hear more often as kind of like a intro into the podcast, but also kind of the exit as it were, uh, as we, as we sit and try to explore these other options of how we get this message out, not just through the podcast, which we are also going to try to expand. Uh, so a lot of changes, um, Although still me, still Steve, still our witty uh, banter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's changed, but the you know, down, you know blatant public marketing. Um, yes. for, for example, Ahart Solutions, spelled A-H-A-R-T solutions.com, uh, provides applied research to support learning organizations. Did you know that, Ross? I did know um, that. I think it's one of the things that, you know, if you're the head of a private school or if you're the head of a school district and you're trying to get a better sense about the students within your purview or under your charge or the teachers or the administration, you know, A-Heart Solutions has various tools that could be used to target you know, certain characteristics, certain things that you want to know about your about your uh, district or about your school, you would be able to explain that better than oh, I. Yeah, it's a it's a third party research. There's a lot of benefits to that, but we we do 360 surveys, parents, staff, and students, but also applied research to answer specific questions using some pretty sophisticated research tools. Um, so you'll be hearing about that as well. Um, and and then maybe we we send Ross out to to the to the speaking circuit. That could be another another thing. What do you think of that, Ross? Um, by myself? Well, I could I could go with you, tag along. I'd be your, your straight man. I would introduce you <laughs> and then make fun of you occasionally. How's that? Yeah, that'll work. We we could do our own um, our own uh, Martin and Lewis uh, routine. So there's um, for all the Mar septuagenarian and octogenarians in there. Well, let's take it back a little bit. I was thinking about the Smothers Brothers, and I would definitely be Tommy Smothers. Um, yes, picking at you. I think that's a good dynamic. I don't play. Uh, I, mean, I could play my piano there. That would be fun. Yeah. See, we we have many talents that we can offer. Uh, yeah. The the uh, the uh, outward thinking, differentiated thinking uh, administrator or head of school. Uh, so 
watch for uh, watch for more information to come down the pike about that. And um, we draw this thing to a close on schedules. I don't know if we solved anything except to say that it all sucks. Uh, that <laughs> all the schedules are horrible. Although we definitely prefer the traditional um, every class every day. Because oh, yes, you do meet the knuckleheads every day, but you also get the good kids every day. So it kind of evens itself out, I think. I think you're right. And, and unless you put unschooling on the table where you just don't go at all, um, <laughs> then. That's the next best thing. Yes, exactly. So, all right. Well, that at that uh, at that point, we will say adieu, and I will see you later down the road. Hair doctor bourgeois. Auf Wiedersehen, Herr Miller.